Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. You are listening to the Evolvepreneur After Hours podcast, and I am your host, Christine Campbell-Rappin. I am on a complete and utter mission to help entrepreneurs make a difference and navigate the messy world of startup, growth, reinvention, and the occasional plot twists. Join me today. We're going to dig deep with one of our fellow entrepreneurs who's going to share with you her lessons learned so you can take some strategies, concepts, into your business so that you can fast track your way to success. Tonight, our guest is Leslie Chen. Super excited to hear her story. She's a lifestyle coach who helps people move past the food addiction, fix their relationship with food while gaining a head-turning body sustainably. So welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Christian, for the warm introduction. Hello, everybody. No matter where you are, we're going to have some really good and honest conversation coming next. And just stay tuned. I can't wait. So tell me this question, because I always start with by asking, you know, when you were younger or when you were starting out your career, did you imagine that the world of entrepreneurship would be in your future? I did. You know, actually, my first essay, I think was when I was second grade in second grade, my first essay was talking about uh, the assignment was talking about your dreams after you grow up. And I said, I'm going to be an entrepreneurship. I'm going to be in the, I'm going to be a business tycoon in a, you know, it's famous around the world. That's actually, I wrote what I wrote down. My teacher was very amused by it. And she shared this essay, short essay of 50 characters because we were in China with all the students in the same grade and also my parents. And I was pretty embarrassed to be honest, but yeah, that was the vision. I love it. Tycoon empire builders are my very favorite because it's about the big dream. So you knew that it wouldn't be off the cards or wasn't you know, an accident that you became into the world of entrepreneurship, but did you know that the world of health and wellness would be the future? And how did your own journey start? Because this is a crowded marketplace, but you've got a really unique spin on it. Tell me how that all came to play. I had no clue. I had no clue until years after I gained 50 pounds in the United States, had a food addiction problem and solved it in China. <laughs> and then even after that, I did not have a clue still because I was in corporate America. So my dream was at that point was, you know, promotions, corporate ladders, yada, yada, yada. Until I got a lot of people asking me questions. So I'll give you an example. At launch, I'm always approached by somebody I know or I don't know asking me, what's your secret? I'm like, what secret are you talking about? Well, you're eating a lot of rice and you're eating a lot of bread. And how can, how can you not that? <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love the honest question. Well, that's a pretty good icebreaker for a conversation with a stranger, right? So... You know, and it's fun to talk about it. So I just share my wisdom and techniques, not really techniques, but, you know, what I know from my uh, cultural heritage in China. And then I realized that, hey, there's a demand for that, especially in the corporate world, especially among the high achievers who wants to be the best, right? So that's how I started. I love it. So sometimes it's an interesting one because, you know, even when you have the drive to be an entrepreneur, or the drive to create something, in this case, a tycoon had a vision. It is interesting that often we don't know what the first domino will be, but we start to sneak clues. And in your case, it was, yes, a stranger coming up and saying, talk to me a little bit about choices. So there was a seed that got planted. When did you start to think, I could create a business around this? 
I think it was a few years ago when I was, it was exactly eight years ago when I first ran into this guy called Rami Sethi and uh, uh, he owned a very big, in the United States, a very big brand regarding how to become a coach. And for me, uh, before I started my coaching business, I was in management consulting and training, you know, designing training and corporate change management kind of materials and delivering these strategies was kind of my niche back then. So, you know, I love talking to people. I love communicating with others. I know I could make an impact when, when I'm wearing a coaching hat just because how authentic I can be when I talk. And plus, this is something that amuses me, not just amuses me, but inspires me. I'm talking about my own journey. And I already knew by then that people can gain value from it because it's coming from a completely different culture perspective. And also, I've talked to a lot of Americans who are like, yeah, we don't know how you Asians do it. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> so I'm like, huh, maybe I can do it. So I signed up for Remy City's course and I started building a course. It was the very rudimentary and very... A rough sketch of what the course is right now, but that was how I started. It's always from you always start from being inspired by somebody, you know, kind of pointing the direction. And I'm interested with this story because th- this is something where I said you came from it from a, a knowledge of culture uh, and also the disconnect of culture when you of course came to the U.S. and saw that you know the lifestyle and the the habits were not serving you in terms of your weight and probably how you were feeling about yourself. But owning your story in terms of the statement or the label, China, Asia, something mm. along the line took some stepping into. Talk to us a little bit about that because you didn't start initially marketing yourself that way. You left that broader umbrella of nutrition and wellness, which I said can be a very crowded landscape and you could get a little lost. Talk to us a little bit about the courage. God, only I, I love this question. And Christine, thank you for, for bringing up and... I want to be honest with everybody listening here. For about two years, I, I intentionally and purposefully did not use the word Asia or China at all because of a lot of limiting beliefs I have. For instance, are people interpreting China as, you know, Panda Express? And we all know that that's not very healthy, so it's not very good for the brand. Or, and I remember once I was doing Google search just Google search on Asia and the Google keyword planner and Asian women. And the next word coming up was porn. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so this is definitely something I don't want to associate my brand to. But also I had this mental like self-talk uh, regarding that. I know that like, people have different interpretations and experience with Asian culture. They kind of have a different version of it. So if I use that word, am I going to create a kind of vision which it goes completely out of control on my hand. I'm not sure if I was going to get people's support, advocacy, or actually uh, opposition. Who knows? So for a long time, I knew that would be a hit. That could be a hit. But for a long time, I resisted from using the word. And that was one of the biggest mistakes I've, I've made. This is an interesting one because I think there, there is this truth that our audience will really appreciate. And I always tell my clients when I'm helping them build six figures, seven figures beyond businesses, is the story you don't want to tell is actually the story that will catalyst your business because it is your story. It is the story you most intimately connect to. And if you could have the courage again to get out of your way, new doors will open. And you had the courage to walk through that 
but was it, I just found courage once or did the journey kind of circle itself backwards several times? And if so, what did you learn with each spin around the cycle? So if you look at my first landing page, yeah, the thing six years ago when I was writing this article for actually for Remit City's website and there is a bio section. I used the word Asian. I used, I said, I think of my for bio, I said that Leslie Chen is the uh, wellness and weight loss coach. He's using Asian inspired techniques and, you know, wisdom to help you get your best body and remove food addiction. I use that. But then I kind of backed out because nobody seems to be using that at the same time. And I remember having this conversation with my first mentor. He was not an entrepreneur, but he was a corporate mentor. And he was like, I was talking to him about my entrepreneurship idea. And he's like, well, if someday, if you have an idea and it's not existent in the market yet, you better be what you better be watchful, right? Maybe this is not a good idea. Maybe somebody already tried it. So at that time, I also uh, searched online that on Amazon, you know, for to see if there is any books in that in that field using the word Asian and you know weight management and I just see one book that was very um that I think they probably sold 50 copies at max so so you know you want to do it you know that this your your wisdom you know, your intuition tells you this might be something to go for but the evidences you collect here and there are contradicting it from time to time so that's how I was holding back. Until, right. And until later, I ran into another woman, another coach. I forgot, forgot her name. So bad, I forgot her name. But I ran into an article that she wrote. She said that it, the only way for people to notice you is to have your unique voice, a unique selling proposition. Then I started to think about the question that you just brought up. Okay, so this is a very crowded market. How do you make sure that you actually have a earn a spot in it okay then it's about time for me to plus when i was not doing asian using that word asia and asian my business was not really flying and it was the first two two and a half years that things were kind of bloody to be honest oh yeah all that too but that was i'm like okay not using it is not leading me anywhere so what are you losing by not trying and this is an interesting one i think there is a great leap of faith Right. And and every entrepreneur who listens in our community will get this. You must believe in the vision before the evidence is there in your own wheelhouse. And you can look to the market. I love that you used Amazon. I think that's one of the top tips I always say to people, you know, go research what's happening in the marketplace. Yes, there might be some momentum there, but it's a huge opportunity to also learn where the gaps are and a gap that you rightly identified was a place to play. So you started to then own a new label, own a unique selling proposition, started to create momentum, and you use social media quite a lot to grow your business. Talk to us a little bit about why you chose that platform and when, what what the early wins were. The I, a influencer using a very niche market to call to and to serve. So... At the beginning, I was actually not very active on social uh, media because I did not like writing posts all the time and, you know, counting likes. 
I got a sense that your the likes are like your vanity, right? But they are. You can't eat followers, peeps. You can't eat followers. Just in case you were not sure as an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I was talking. I want the real people, and I had an idea that I didn't want to go too salesy as well. I mean, coming from the corporate world and not selling, not practically selling a thing. Well, the first part of my life, right? So I don't want to be salesy. I want to look as you know authentic and like some impact maker instead of an influencer. That's literally what I told myself. I was not using it. So that's why I was struggling, to be honest, at the beginning. Because first of all, well, not just for that reason, but I did not have a lead strategy because I was not using those tools, right? I was doing some guest posting that got me some a good number of followers in my email list, so I can email to. I was selling my product there. Um. But it was not like I could thrive on it, right? So the first way was I started using Facebook ads. And this is the one quick takeaway. And a very important lesson I want to I want to uh, teach but tell people here is that do not, even if some platform is working very well for you, just like a Facebook ad worked wonderfully for me for a couple of years, but don't depend on your entire business on it. That was my the mistake I was making because we all know that you know most of them some of them must know that in 2020 uh facebook had its upgrade right and then after that the entire facebook advertising landscape was very different because i used to be able to getting uh calls booked i'm talking about the breakthrough sessions the clarity sessions calls booked by i think it was 60 70 dollars which is a very good rate for me given at that time the pricing of my coaching package but then, uh, I think after 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 the upgrade, um, the lowest cost I had was six hundred dollars each, just for the cost. And the highest time when I tried it was nine hundred dollars. I was still making money because of my package and how it was structured, right? But still, I I knew I clearly knew that there was a disadvantage. Then what I used to be able to thrive on is becoming. Is probably going to come into the end. So that's why it's in 2021 when I started looking into other um, strategies and investing other things, for instance, SEO, to make sure that you know, my business is not dependent on one single platform. At the beginning, there has been this downfall, but things are catching up, have been catching up. So that's the big lesson, right? So, but be- at the beginning, my journey is like, I don't have a strategy. And then I started discovering Facebook ad and that worked wonderfully for a long time. And then there has been this change, downfall, and then, you know, using other things, a combination of different things, including podcasting, like what we're doing now. Absolutely. Right. right. So through. you just have to be so adaptive as an entrepreneur because things are changing literally every year every so true so true i have a friend of mine who is 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 very active in the social space and she's just posted just recently uh all the changes that happened across platforms and the list is exhaustive i was like wow blows my mind but this is such a good takeaway and audience i really want you to hear this you rent space on social media and do your dependency on a platform to create momentum in your business is high risk and it is not your only option and you started to see that change. You were forced into being responsive, but I love your kind of response to it and started to say, I must create my own ecosystem. And that's where you start to own your list. You need to build 
the conversations because that is your goal. If you lost everything on a social media platform, and I have had clients that have come to me because that's their reality, I am starting from zero. How do I do it now without social media platforms to be the engine? I said, you know, let's let's get it get to work and figure that out because it is it is so important that you minimize that risk. And I love that tip that you shared. So you've now started to see this escalation, but you've also talked about the profitability because your cost to acquire customers started to skyrocket. Your offer changed. Talk to me about first time you really started to make a high ticket offer and what right. was the mindset around that and what were the lessons you had to learn? That was five years ago. Um, begin- at the beginning, when I started my business, my pricing has changed. Also, the program itself has changed different times because it's an evolution journey by itself. At the beginning, I didn't have much confidence. Remember, I- I've been giving people a lot of free you know, tips, right? And they implemented as things are working. That inspired me to start a business. But when I started business, I did not have the confidence to sell anything because I've never done it before. And also I was telling myself that I'm not a salesman and I hated the word salesman. Do you see how I'm contradicting myself? Like even I had the same contradiction and resistance in the idea of you facing the idea of using TikTok. <laughs> and I had to overcome that resistance for a while. But back to uh, about uh, six, eight years later, eight years later when I first started, um, I had these barriers, right? But one thing I was very good at was to 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 learn and to accumulate my email list. So I was able to seize a list of all, over two thousand people on my list in the I think the year year and a half. And that's when I had to finalize the first version of my program and sold it to people at a hundred dollars. <laughs> Five went in the line, and I launched. It was a launch. It was a launch because it made me feel less of a salesman. Okay. <laughs> I chose that route. Okay. So, because I was fairly new in the market and I, I think I'm pretty sure in my writing, I was not confident at all because I never actually coached anybody. So, and the pricing, the logic of the pricing was that, okay, this is for, you know, a testing purpose, right? It's not for, it's not for profit. It's for me to learn from my own, um, you know, the experimentation. So for me, it's serving me whatsoever, even if I'm not charging anything. So that was a mindset that was driving me at that point. So $100 to make sure that these are actually buyers so the market actually has buyers, which is kind of foolish as well because we all know that this is a huge industry. <laughs> there are a lot of buyers everywhere. Don't and kid yourself. Exactly. But was, that was a mental talk, the self-talk having so that I don't have to go in front of people and sell anything. They are $100, a moderate pricing, so you should be able to afford it. So five people signed up. And it was a pretty good group of people because I'm still very grateful for that experience because I was anyway able to execute the coaching program and see them having real results. That was That boosted my confidence, which is so important, so important when you Two years and a half later, one year and a half later, you want to go on a much higher pricing scale, right? Because right now you have to have to develop confidence. So that was the first round. Second round, $500. 30 women joined. And that got me to think, hey, when I did $100, five people joined. And then I increased the price by five times. And all of a sudden, you know, the conversion rate was sixfold. What was happening here? Did people not take me seriously at the beginning? 
And that was a wake up call, you know, $500 at that time, you know, it's not a significant amount of money, but it's still some costs, right? Some investment. So, and then we have 30 people here and I enhanced my program during the time when I was coaching these people and I started making some profit, right? So I'm like, okay, so I'm now confident that the program, the techniques, the strategy actually works because I'm seeing it among those people. So that's essential, essential feedback. Gives me confidence. And also I realized that to attract the right people, you have to have the matching plan. Right. Because really the wake up call was again, $100, five people joined and then six fold all of a sudden after I raised it by five times. What does that imply? You have to, you have to appear in front of those people on a matching level in terms of what they're expecting out of you. But even then I realized that $500 is probably not, it's probably far from the right level given what you are delivering in terms of result. And for, I was asking myself as well, when I was in the corporate world, my mentality was very different because I was not a businessman who was thinking about costs. I was always thinking about, okay, how do I build this personal brand? How do I strive? How do I get my goals, right? So I was thinking, I was asking myself, if I were looking for a solution, I'm looking at $500, $2,000, $3,000, 10K, which one would I go for? I'd probably go for, if it is something that's like life, long transformation, like life-changing kind of program, I would probably go for, at that time, I was thinking anywhere between 3, 3K and 5K. But I was I will always be thinking about the 10K. Because I will always be thinking that's the that's a far better one. That I probably would just go for a 10K, which is what I did. I invested in a mastery um, marketing program for over 10K. It's actually 12K. Then think about this mentality, right? I realized that what kind of mentality you're projecting, projecting here from you actually determines what kind of people you're attracting. So that's the thing that, that uh, when I said I was able to set up the Facebook funnel that was through that 12K program, it paid off. Mm-hmm. Well, the question you have to ask yourself in terms of, um, in terms of thinking about the pricing is what is the pricing projecting? Is it pro- projecting solutions, certainty, authenticity, and confidence? Or is it projecting something else? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just testing it here. <laughs> this right. is very true. This this is a great nugget because I think there is twofold and there's two things I want to draw out from what, you're, what you've shared. Number one is, you know, there is a perception of value. You need to understand what the value is. And you also need to know the lifetime value of it. But if you are not prepared to invest in your own journey at the level you want to charge your clients, they yeah. will tell. They will yeah. be able to tell. And so you said, you know, if I want to charge a higher rate, you went from 100 to 500. And now you've jumped into that four figure and beyond. You're saying, yes, but I also was prepared to spend that on my journey. And I knew the value and I knew the results. And there is about being in the right room. I talk to my clients about this all the time. Who yeah. In what room do you want to be in? Because I will tell you, I have exactly the same experience. It is harder to sell a $300 thing than a $3,000 thing. Same effort. Well, let's talk about the efficiencies of what you can do to scale and reach your, your dreams. So I'm curious, this is going to be my last question here, but if you look back, what's the one thing you wish you knew earlier on your journey to creating the momentum you have today? All of the things that I just talked about. 
if I knew if I was brave enough, right, to <laughs> to actually use my unique selling point in my marketing strategy from the onset, then things will be a lot different. I think it would have gone much faster. And if I had the confidence that I lacked at the beginning, I'm talking about confidence of delivering results because I never coached people, then that have been a lot different because my pricing strategy, everything would have been different, right? So, but I don't regret anything, to be honest, because each step that was taken is essential. It's, it's like, mm-hmm. it, right? It's like building a, uh, building blocks. You have to have the fundamental ones. Even the limiting beliefs that I had at the beginning, I think it served me in some way. Right? It will 100% have served you. Exactly. So, so it's a, it's an evolutionary process. It's an evolutionary process. And I'm, I'm truly happy that at this point, things are settled. Cause I asked myself, let's see if, if I asked you 10 years ago that you're going to have a business, you're going to have to work really hard for it for the first two or three years, probably not making anything for two years at the beginning and then start making money. And then if eventually you have your personal brand, which is very niche, very you know, iconic, and you'll be able to serve the right client, give the knowledge that actually works, and grow your business and scale into multi six figures and seven figure per year. Would you be happy? If I ask this question for myself to myself, 10 years ago, I'll be happy. I mean, like, yes, of course, you have to have the initial investment, right? You have to work hard to get things going. So there's nothing, not a single thing that Yeah, I, I love that because there is truth. I said, you know, every limiting belief you encounter your client encounters. Every time that you have to change your own perception of value, your client will do the same. There's a lot about looking in the mirror in this journey. And I'm thrilled that we got an opportunity to sit down today, Leslie. Thank you so much. Guys, this is a wrap on another amazing episode of the Entrepreneurs After Hours program. And before you go, I want a couple of things. If you love this, please give us a five-star review and consider recommending a friend to the show or yourself if you are a fellow entrepreneur here in our community. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes at the Evolvepreneur After Hours program. And until next time, guys, today is the perfect day to trust yourself. Find your unique selling proposition. Get out there. Talk to people. Create impact and believe in the value you're creating. Leslie, thank you very much for being our guest, guys. We will see you on our next episode.